the snap, looking, flips the ball, diving for the pylon, and he's got it! Razzle-dazzle! Touchdown, Houston! And the Texans go in front! Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out, and the Texans say they have it, and they do! Now, it's Texans All Access, presented by First Community Credit Union. Yes, sir, it is Texans All Access. I'm your host. As we take you up to Thursday Night Football, I am John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for your Houston Texans. And I believe on the other end of the line is my good friend, the general from the Houston Chronicle, John McClain. General, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, John. How are you? Ah, you know, it's weird. General, how do you find bye weeks? Because I'll be honest with you, bye weeks are really, um, and this one obviously is so different because of all the COVID stuff and all that, but I always find bye weeks sort of equal parts relaxing and disconcerting because my body feels like it should be somewhere on a football field, and yet it's not. How do you go through a bye week? We write every day. The only thing they haven't done is uh, do Zooms every day like we usually do with coaches and players we had all the assistant coaches on tuesday yep. seemed like there were 50 of them and then of course we had romeo the day before it's always fun to talk to the assistant coaches i like doing everything in person but that's not the way we're operating during the COVID 19 pandemic that we have so i i like the bye week i like it during the middle of the season like it is now and i did my report card at the bye week, which is on TexasSportsNation.com. I'll be in the Chronicle tomorrow. I have Sunday at State of the Texans. I wrote a column today about going back to Dwayne Brown and Rick Smith extended him after the 2016 season with two years left. It could have avoided a lot of ugliness that came to Dwayne getting traded to Seattle. Also, there would have been no need to trade for Laramie Tunsil because as I watched Sunday night, and I know you did too, Dwayne's still playing very well at 35 for the Seahawks. And when I watched him and Carlos Hyde and DeAndre Hopkins, and I thought about all the other Texans who are playing with other teams, and I thought about, man, how much better would they have been if they'd have found a way to hang on to them? But, and what fans and a lot of media people don't, don't they know, but you can't pay every player every bit of money he wants. Like I'm working on my mailbag for will be posted on Texas Sports Nation in the morning. I've got a lot of fans responded to what I wrote, John, and one of them mm-hmm. said, hey, yeah, Bill O'Brien let Ben Jones and, and Brandon Brooks get away, and I'm going to respond, you can't pay everybody what they want. There's no luxury tax in the NFL that you can go over the, the salary cap and pay. Hard decisions have to be made. My problem is not with some of the decisions that the Texans have made, and it's not all Bill o- O'Brien. He didn't, isn't the one that told Dwayne Brown no, uh, is that what they got for some of these guys, players who are not doing what they were supposed to. And Laramie Tunsil's playing really well. You know, one of the attractive points for a new coach, you have a great young quarterback who's on a pace – to set career highs for touchdowns, yards, completion percentage, passer rating, and average yards per attempt, which he leads the NFL in. And you have your two tackles. And you have an owner that spends a lot of money and wants to know what's going on but doesn't force you to make decisions. You know, he hired Bill O'Brien, and he hired Jack Easterby. And I, he if, if Bill said, I'm going to trade DeAndre Hopkins, the McNairs are not – Jerry Jones. They don't sit in there and decide what's going to happen. And for a new GM and a new coach, that's an attractive situation. Plus, as I've said on every show this week, I don't think this is a long rebuild. They have guys that have played really well in the past, like Zach Cunningham and Justin Reed, who are not. And I don't think all of a sudden their careers are going backward. I think I look for them to bounce back. So I don't think I think it's more like 2013 when it went from 214 to 9 and 7 in one season. And I think John when you talk about a rebuild and you you mentioned it. You've got your two cornerstone tackles. You've got your quarterback, obviously I should have said that first. You got your two cornerstone 
tackles. So offensively, you feel like you can get that. I mean, it, look, the offense is, I don't say doing its part, but it's, it's putting up points and yards. Um, the defense obviously needs some things to come through. I think it would help the defense, obviously, if Zach did play, at, uh, play the way he played in 2019, if they had that going. And obviously, they don't have BMAC. Um, but, you know, general, the, the, the personnel losses just start accumulating at some point because when you look at the 2018 defense, this team had Jevion Clowney, DJ Reader, Angelo Blackson, Bernardrick McKinney, who's obviously hurt, and the secondary was Tyron Matthew, Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph. I mean, when you have that much go out the door, you're going you're gonna to suffer, especially when you don't have young guys that are behind them that are absolutely 100% uh, ready to go. So I'm curious. It's, it, I saw your article, General, it's so funny. About three days prior, I I don't know why. And it, it may have been that Sunday night when I was watching that Sunday night game. And, of course, you, like you said, there were so many you know, former Texans in that. And I just I just grabbed my phone, and I, I, I didn't even look up contracts or anything, the money or anything. I was just like, well, what would have happened going back to that Dwayne Brown trade? What I kind of did the same thing you did. I went back and I said, all right, well, what if – Let's do the butterfly effect here. What happens if Dwayne is still here? Well, then you don't trade for Laramie. Then you've got your your first-round picks. Uh, you, dr- you still draft Titus, but you put him on the right side. Um, and now you've got two cornerstone tackles. Um, and then, of course, you're going to lose some of those guys. There's got to be attrition. You, like you said, you can't pay any everybody in a salary cap league. You just can't do it. Um, but what you could have had at that point are not so many lost draft picks. But – to your point, I heard you. I can't remember what show. It might have been on with with Landry and John. And I want to. I want to get to something that I heard them play again this morning, because as much as I I love Lopez, I'm absolutely a thousand percent with you, General, on JJ Watt, and we'll get to that uh, in just a second. But I, I agree with you. I do think this rebuild is not a long rebuild. Um, there are some places where, man, you got to tear that thing all the way down. And I think maybe the Patriots are at that point where the Patriots are like, we need to tear this thing all the way down. They've got the picks. They can they can do it. I don't think that's what this is. I think with some of the cornerstone pieces that the Texans have, this re- rebuild, I say in air quotes, may not be as such. So that leads us, and we're going to get to the J.J. Watt thing in a second, General, but the trade deadline, not just with the Texans, John, but throughout the NFL, there really haven't been that many trades. Has that surprised you at all considering – the, the five-day COVID requirements when players are changing squads. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe had to go through that, and he was practicing, I think, yesterday to get ready for the Steelers. Are you surprised there hasn't been more trade deadline activity? Uh, no. Let me go back to the offense. Uh, David Johnson. David Johnson will be one and done. They'll have to get him yeah. another running back. They need another right guard. I'm assuming since Max Sharping – started 14 games last year for a 10 and 16 that won a playoff game. It was ninth in rushing, but got off to a bad start and they pinched him. Now he's on a COVID-19 list. Uh, I think Max will be back at left guard next season. So they need a right guard and a running back. They got receivers, they got tight ends. So there's not much they need on offense. Like Jacksonville's proof, you can find a good free agent running back. They get John yes. James Robinson, who's done a tremendous job if the new GM knows what he's doing. But about David Johnson, right now he has 553 yards. Carlos Hyde at this time last year had – 487. Now that's rushing and receiving. Hyde had more rushing, of course, 461 to 392. But Johnson was brought in here. Part of the reason was he is a receiver. Johnson is on a pace for rushing and receiving 1,264 yards and 10 touchdowns. Now that's not terrible. And the 10 touchdowns certainly aren't terrible. And that would be a lot more yards than Carlos Hyde had because Carlos couldn't catch a cold. But I do think that Johnson will be one and done. The defense, the secondary, is awful. Tashawn Gibson got crossways with Bill O'Brien, cut, and so he's starting for Bears, who are 5-2 and and have one of the best defenses in the league. And I know Eric Murray's played a lot. He hadn't made a big play. Secondary has one turnover, one turnover. And as much as they blitz, they don't have – they don't have – one sack, had me lucked into a sack, and then, and a lot of guys who played well last year are not playing well for whatever reason. 
and they're not like they're at the end of their career. So right. that's what the, the defense, the offense has got to score a lot of points because the defense is going to give up a lot. And even though some teams like Cleveland and Detroit are better than we thought they'd be, they're still not as good as Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Green Bay are five of the teams the Texans have lost to. I thought the Texans would be three and four before the season. I thought they would beat Minnesota and Green Bay. Uh-huh. And there's, But the Minnesota loss, which got Bill O'Brien fired, is still the one that's the most inexcusable, and it's why the Texans and the Vikings are the most disappointing teams in the NFL. But back to the trade deadline, we still got time left, but I'm not surprised at all because some of the biggest moves are usually made over money. And there's not some players kicking and screaming right now wanting new deals like, say, Jalen Ramsey and some other guys that have been unloaded at the trading deadline. Do you anticipate it'll get going this weekend, or do you think it's going to be that deadline is Tuesday, it's going to really go right up to Tuesday? Well, people ought to be busy with other things Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, a lot think. of people thought they should See. move it back a week. I don't know why they didn't. It's ridiculous to have it on Tuesday, and they moved it back before from where it used to be. And uh, but I, a lot of people thought last week all the trades would be made this week because players having to pass five consecutive tests. And so I don't have any clue about what's going to go. Sometimes, you know, say the Bears win, they're six and two, even though their offense is awful, they're still in it. And do they try to trade for somebody to help shore up a weakness? I think if after this week you think you still have a prayer, like every team does in the NFC East and the NFC West, to at least make make a wild card in the West if you don't, win the division and of course in the NFC East you're not going to win a wild card but maybe those teams will do it but team, I've had so many people think the Texans are going to have a fire sale why would you want to get rid of, of receivers like Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks give me them over third or fourth round picks coming in here next year that you don't have a clue about you want this to be an attractive job for a new coach and a new gm having a bunch of fourth and fifth round picks isn't attractive having proven players who work well with your quarterback and the strength of your team is your offense specifically the passing game that you don't get rid of players i trade kenny stills golly wearing teams needs a guard give them calamete but things like that, but they're not going to trade their top players. And I don't understand why people are so excited to do it unless they got a one or two and there's nobody going to bring that. General, what do you think happens with Will Fuller? And I'm, I'm not talking about a trade deadline. I, there's a part of me that thinks that he might get moved by the trade deadline because it, this is a contract year. And I don't know what kind of money he command because you look at him and think, okay, well, he's the number one. If he's fully healthy, can we trust him to be healthy? Uh, what do you think happens with Will in the future, be it here or somewhere else? What do you think? They want to re-sign him. And they, he's on a pace for career highs with 71 catches, 1,120 yards and 11 touchdowns, and a 15.8-yard average per catch. He and Brandon Cooks have been good for each other. Cooks yeah. now has, in, in the first three games, he had 10 catches. Now he's got 34. He's on a pace for 78, 976 yards and five touchdowns. So Cooks and Fuller, both of whom are deep threats, have opened up the middle of the field for Randall Cobb, Darren Fells, Jordan Akins before he got hurt. And everybody thinks they need to incorporate the running backs more in the passing game. problem with that is you got so many other players to throw the ball to. It's not like it's just D-Hop and Fuller's hurt. Now if Fuller gets hurt, or if Brandon Cooks gets hurt, then you got to use the running backs more in the passing game. But I don't see them trading their starters. I think, you know, their goal is not to to lose. Their goal is to try to win as many games, make the job more attractive for the next coach and GM, and try to bounce back next year the way they did in 2014 when they went from 2-14 and 14 to 9-7. and seven. Before I ask you about the the future – uh, I'll ask you about the now and potentially the future. And I heard, as I was uh, driving back to where I am staying for the next couple of days, I was listening to John and Landry, and they 
had a cut of you and John discussing the uh, the fate of J.J. Watt. And John is convinced, got to move him. And you were saying, no, why would you? And, John, I fall into your camp. But I want you to – I want you, you kind of laid it out there, talking about not trading any of the starters. But I'm not of a mind that I want to trade a guy like J.J. Watt when I feel like, A, I feel like this rebuild won't take that long – and B, JJ's still playing at a pretty high clip. He's not what he was in 14, but then again, that was otherworldly. So I don't know why, General, the thought is you got to move him. We got to move him when he can still play some really darn good football. And I think this thing can get turned around rather quickly. I, I, number one, I don't think anybody's going to say, hey, we'll give you a one and a two for what? Because right. JJ's going to be happening. 32. His contract's going to be up. He's going to want a new contract, he's on a pace for seven sacks, which would be his career low if he stays healthy for 16 games. But he's still their best defensive player. He's still been their most consistent defensive player. They don't have many defensive players playing worth the darn. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. Other than that, they're fine. That defense needs either players next year, they need to fix the secondary. Yeah. And Justin Reed, you know, him and Zach Cunningham got to start being consistent and making big plays like they did last year. But Watt is not going to be traded. He's their best defensive player. He is an icon here. And I think if J.J. went in and said, Cal, please get me out of here, I can't stand it, then he's still not going to give him away. And that's not the case. And And they believe, too that they can turn it around next year, that you can, don't just go from 10 and 6 to 214 or whatever. I still think they're going to win five or six games and, and then be bad for a while. Maybe they'll bottom out with a third 2 and 14 season, but I don't think so. Not with Watson, not with Watson playing as well as he's playing. And he's playing really well, and especially considering teams don't have to spend a lot of time worrying about the run. Yeah, he's running a lot less. I wrote this too, that, that, that he's running less now than he has in any season up to this point because he's trying to be more patient, get the ball down the field, and it's working. And uh, now they, what they need to do is be better in the red zone, and this offense is going to score a lot of points. And uh, But Watt's not going anywhere, you know, but uh, they need – they're going to have more injuries. And at some point, I want to see Jonathan Bernard. I want to see more Ross Blacklock. Want to see something to John Reed? Those young guys are only going to get better. Some of these guys are just going to get worse. I'm with you. I, I here's the thing. You, oh, you're waving the white flag when you put young guys in. Uh, not really. I mean, yeah, one you you drafted them for a reason, and we are seeing rookies throughout the league um, make plays and do some great things. Heck, we're going to watch a guy tonight for the Carolina Panthers at safety that I love. The guy named Jeremy Chin who played at Southern Illinois. One heck of a safety. Um, the Texans now have one in Lonnie Johnson. They moved to safety, uh, which I tried to tell everybody that, but nobody wanted to listen until they actually moved him to safety. But either way, um, but you're right, John. They, they, they've got to see what they have with these young guys. And then they activated Isaiah Coulter. That notice came out last night that they activated Isaiah Coulter. I don't know where he fits in this receiver core. But he he's doesn't. Really, I don't, I don't doesn't. give a damn about Isaiah Coulter this season. I want to yeah. see and I'm not saying put in Grenard and Blacklock and Reed all at the same time. Right. But tank terms working them in there. Blacklock was a second-round pick for a reason. Mm -hmm. Get him in there. Let him play more. Let him play outside. Let him play inside. And if he if he keeps not playing well, then put him back on the bench. Grenard, I'd put him in a passing situation. I'd say, John, see ball, get ball. And see if he can rush the passer like he did at uh, Penn State, I mean, at uh, Florida, mm -hmm. and then John Reed, I want to see him against some slot receivers. Yeah, and I mean, John Reed did play early on in the year, and it's funny, Drew and I were passing some texts back and forth, and he said, you know, what happened? Like, he played a lot of snaps against Kansas City, and, um, and then they haven't gone back to him, so hopefully we'll get a chance to see him. John, the future, you know, we talk about this job, and I've, you know, listening and reading and all the different, um, especially with no game this weekend, weekend, the consumption of just, is this job a good job? What's this job? Okay, Bill O'Brien did not leave it in a great state, but you've got a quarterback, you've got cornerstone tackles. 
down deep, General, I think this is a pretty good job. I would think GMs and head coaches are going to find it's a pretty good job. What's your overall thought about the the level of this job? And just in kind of poking around, what do you think GM and head coach are there? Is it too early to kind of pinpoint anybody that might be a front runner in those situations? First of all, it's not a pretty good job. It's a damn good job. A GM's going to want to know: Do we have the quarterback in place? Without a doubt, they got the quarterback in place. What do they have at left tackle? They got it. Where do we need work? We need it on defense. Right. The McNair family spends a whole lot of money. They cows like his dad. He he hires people. Whether you agree who he's hired with hired, whether you agree if he promotes them to general manager, he does it because he believes in them. And he's not going to step in and go, "Hey, don't make that deal. Make this deal." He lets them make their deals because he's hired them to do that. And then if it doesn't work, then he showed he'll fire him. He's fired two GMs and he's fired a head coach. And the family's been patient. O'Brien lasted in to his seventh year. And they spend a lot of money and they stay out of it. That's a great situation. Houston's a great city. No state income tax. You want to live close to NRG Stadium, Westview's a great neighborhood. Bel Air's a great neighborhood. Southside, all those places. They can't afford to live in River Oaks, of course, other than Watson. And and it's it's just it's very, very good job. Atlanta's a good job. Arthur Blank's the same way. And yep. if a GM, okay, let's see, Matt Ryan is 35, Sean Watson's 25, and uh, I think both of those I've had so many agents, former general managers, guys who are with teams who want to interview, contact me directly or through third parties, yep. want to know who do they get in touch with? Yep. Do they get in touch with Cal McNair, Jack Easterby, Corn Ferry? Uh, I say, well, don't call Cal McNair. You know, he's on the search committee, and he'll make the ultimate decision, but he's an owner. He's not Jerry Jones in there getting his hands dirty every day. They'll start interviewing GMs when they're available, and I would imagine they'll interview some before it's over. Thomas Dimitrov, John Dorsey, those guys, there's a lot out there. Yep. And um, so as far as a front runner for a coach, no. Everybody says hire Eric enemy. I want to know why he's interviewed five or six times and not been hired. I want to know why Greg Roman hadn't been hired. Brian Dayball, it's not going to be Josh McDaniels. And, and are there Cliff Kingsbury's success? Does that make a college coach with a wide-open attack and success with quarterbacks? Does that make more of them candidates? Will Lincoln Riley uh, decide it's time to leave OU? Dabo Sweeney decide he wants to leave Clemson? You know, you leave no stone, stone unturned. And I know it's a good job based on everything I've been told by people. I've even had several former coaches reach out to me Mm-hmm. And uh, I try to be nice to everybody. And then when I <laughs> hang up, I'm like, oh, my God, no. I think I'm crazy. I'm not re- recommending you. You know, General, we're one year too late because the one guy I think would have been a absolute 1,000% slam dunk perfect fit would have been Matt Rule. I think Matt Rule would have been absolutely perfect here. Well, Cal must spend $56 million to hire his next coach with bonuses that'll get him up around 75, call Lincoln Riley. And I tell you, Matt Rule always wanted to go to the NFL. We all knew about it. We talked about it on my shows in Waco. He didn't hide it. And I've talked to a couple of his former players and said they knew it too. But they loved the guy. They gave him everything they had, and he wanted to come back to the NFL. And I'm sure there's college quarter coaches out there would love to work with Deshaun Watson. General, I when he I read somewhere after he was one in ten his first year at Baylor that he had had some NFL interviews and I it was kinda like, mm, that's interesting. I Indianapolis couple, interviewed him. Chris Ballard yeah, interviewed him after he won one game. Yep. And he, he Ballard was very interested in him. Very interested in him. Now I think it worked out for Chris getting the Chris Ballard could not have fallen jelly up any more than he did because Chris Ballard would have had Josh McDaniels to deal with, 
and instead McDaniels leaves and he ends up with Frank Reich, which couldn't have been a better situation for Chris. So, uh, I mean, for Chris, who I know, uh, it's great for him. But, uh, General, I just uh, I wish that Matt Rule, I think, so highly of him and how he does things. I think he would have been. Well, really, he has really a defensive background. Yes, and exactly. And there's defensive coaches exactly. out there that Cal McNair should consider. Matt Eberfuss of Indy is very, very highly thought of. Everybody yep. says Wink Martindale at Baltimore is ready to be a head coach. Todd Bowles, who went 10-6 and six, and then three losing season with the Jets, but everybody loses with the Jets. Yep. Todd Bowles has a number one defense in the NFL, and people talk about Tom Brady and his receivers. Look at their defense, number one overall, number one against the run. Todd Bowles deserves another chance. There's defensive coaches out there who are really good that I think Cal McNair ought to, ought to consider. And I'll tell you something else. You got Corn Ferry, the search firm everybody uses. I'd be very careful about using their clients because they recommend their clients. I'd sure. be very careful about who I'd try to interview as many as possible to get as many ideas as I could. But uh, I wouldn't say we have to hire an offensive coach. You, know, you can hire a defensive coach who can bring in a good offensive coach. Mm-hmm. I wrote this last week about how many teams with winning records or defensive coaches instead of just offensive. And, yep. and having, firing, having a former NFL coach has been fired. Pete Carroll got fired twice yep. before yep, he rented himself, reinvented himself at USC, and he's been, a, he's been a great coach at Seattle. So that's why you hire a search firm and you put your committee together, and they started working on it, and now they got to make sure they hire the right guy. Belichick, Carroll, Reed. Those are the three right off the top of my head, all fired and then ended up going elsewhere and finding really nice gigs and doing very, very well. General, what you got going on in the Chronicle? I know it's a bye week, but I know you guys have been really killing it with the uh, the content y'all been putting out. What you got? Oh, thank you, John. I got my report card at the bye week. Uh, it's on Texas Sports Nation. Also is uh, running in the Chronicle tomorrow, Sunday. I've got a state of the Texans. Aaron Wilson's got stories every day. We got podcasts. In our two television shows we do for Channel 2 and AT&T Sportsnet, we have them on Texas Sports Nation. So thank you very much, John, and I will talk to you soon. And have a great weekend. You got it, General. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully the General gave the Texans sideline reporter an A+. I'm hoping. It might be the first A I'd have in a long time. So uh, there you go. The General from the Houston Chronicle, John McClain. Also, like you said, Texas Sports Nation. They That article he did, it's interesting because I did that same kind of um, exercise, if you will. It was amazing what came out of it. And in fact, with a first-round pick in 2020, I ended up drafting Clyde edwards uh because we would have had first-round picks last year because we still had Dwayne Brown. So I went through and I did the 2019 draft over. I did the 2020 draft over. I came up with new starting lineups on both sides of the ball. I was like, I just went kind of crazy because um, that's what can happen if you use the word if. All right. On the other side of this, we've got our Deep Slant interview of the week. It's a one-on-one with DP Sidhu with Cullen Gillespie. Gilly, Gigum, next, right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Love getting prices that are lower than low on backyard favorites like grill-ready hamburgers and fresh-picked strawberries? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, plus rewards like fuel points, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What do you call a group of friends who spend every Sunday huddled around the TV for hours, wearing horns on their heads and blue and red paint on their faces, jumping with a Miller Lite in one hand and a hot barbecue short rib in the other, while proudly chanting, we are Texans. You call it Miller time in Houston. Here's to the Texans. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2020 Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you by Miller Lite. During this time of social distancing, cheering on the Texans over a beer might look a little different today. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. 
Miller Lite, championship partner of the Houston Texans. Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now, here's the show. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points, Saturday nights at 10.30 or after the late local news on ABC 13. Oh, yeah, check out Extra Points. You'll see yours truly on there with Drew Doherty. I'm John Harris, Football House and Southern Reporter. And I do a lot of stuff with Tex Ags. So I've been watching our next guest for a long time, and he is a cult hero in College Station. And when he walked around the sidelines for the Texas Bowl last year, Oklahoma State and Texas A&M, it was unbelievable. Everybody and everybody wearing maroon wanted a piece of Colin Gillespie. And D.P. Sidhu had a chance to catch up with Gilly and talk about any number of things. Here it is. D.P., take it away. Colin, how's it going? Year two for you. I haven't had a chance to really catch up with you much this offseason, but here you are. How has this season been going for you, especially now that you're not a rookie anymore? It's definitely great to not be a rookie. It, uh, it comes with a little more, little more privilege, a little bit uh, longer of a leash. But, um, you know, the, the mindset really hasn't changed. Every day I'm here to earn my job, and I'm just really trying to do anything I can to uh, keep myself on the field and help this team in any way possible. It's hard to believe that you really only – this is only your third year playing fullback. You played your final year at A&M and then obviously last year. But when you go from college football to the pros and playing fullback, what, was, what do you think was the steepest part of the learning curve for you? What was the toughest thing for you to really adjust to? Really just kind of learning everything um, going on around me, uh, learning the offense as a whole and not just, you know, specifically what I was doing. My, my last year at, at A&M, I kind of had to memorize, you know, what I was doing on each specific play and not really know what was going on around me. Um, I kind of had to hit the ground running. But, you know, going into last year, then having another offseason under my belt and really getting to learn the offense better, um, you definitely feel more comfortable in a fullback role and feel more comfortable, um, you know, of, of what's going on around you. And, and when you know – you know, what, what, what the offensive line's doing, what the quarterback's doing, what the running back's seeing. Um, it's easier to be on the same page and, and uh, you know, really flow better with the offense. Yeah, and you mentioned the offseason and building some chemistry with the old linemen. I know that you worked out at, uh, was it Martin's Gym, Martin's Fitness? <laughs> Martin, Martin with Fitness, Nick Martin. Yeah. Uh, What was that like, working out with a bunch of old linemen? Was that part of your offseason plan, was just to work out with the big guys? Definitely not part of my offseason plan. Um, but... It ended up working out. I, I got really strong. Um, obviously, when, when you're in the gym with uh, Nick Martin, Max Sharping were the, were the two guys I generally worked out with every day. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously a lot bigger than me. So, but I'm not going to be the guy who's not putting the weight on the bar. So you're kind of forced to try and use their weights and keep up with them. And so um, it was hard at first, but I kind of started to find my stride and, and really start to uh, get stronger. So I'm not necessarily against doing it again next year. <laughs> okay, the Martin. If Martin's Fitness is open for business, I I think I, you're I a will show customer. Up. Not, oh, okay, know, good. I'll be I'll be knocking on the door at seven a.m. <laughs> hey, open up the garage. <laughs> good to know. You know where he lives, so that helps. Uh, everyone knows your story about the twelfth man. Maybe you're sick of talking about it. I'm never sick of hearing about it. It's such a great, great story, and I think a lot of people need to know that you are now an Emmy winner because the documentary Gilly won a Lone Star Emmy Award. Congratulations, first and foremost, on that. It's, it was, I mean, sure, you can claim that I won an Emmy. Um, <laughs> I don't think I did too much. Um, I think it, the Emmy definitely goes to Texas Filmworks um, and Texags as well. And then um, one of the main producers in Clay Taylor, um, he worked with me every day, um, really was kind of like his, his project baby because he really wanted to make it well. He started at a doing social media stuff for A&M and then um, doing the Pulse, which I think as well won an Emmy Award. So um, I knew he was going to do a good job with it. Um, knowing my story was in his hands. I was really excited to see the finished product. And, and it honestly turned out better than I could imagine. Um, and then and now, I guess I can add that to my resume. I am an Emmy Award winner. But again, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't me. I wasn't acting. I was just kind of up there talking on screen. Um, I think it goes... Goes out to Clay, Texas Filmworks, and Tex Ags, um, and, and all the people involved in making that film. It, it was, they did a great job. 
Yeah. How did they, how did it even come about? Because I do remember when the Texans drafted you, you were sitting there with all your family and friends and there were a lot of cameras. And I thought, this is not your normal camera setup yet. There were some beautiful professional photos. And I found out later that they were filming a documentary on you, but it seems mm -hmm. like it had been going on a while. So when did they first approach you? At what point in your career did they, did the, the filming and all that start? Um, it started like around, like when I was in combine training, um, I, they had contacted my dad and um, a couple of the guys who worked at Texags contacted me and like, hey, this is something we were interested in doing. So going forward, once I kind of went back to A&M for Pro Day, they uh, really started all the filming right there. Cause I was there for about two weeks doing workouts and, and other stuff. So I went back and they started getting, you know, like B-roll footage there. And then um, really kind of did a lot of the interviews leading up to the draft. And then they were there at the draft, which is, like you said, um, you know, your typical seventh round pick or possible free agent doesn't normally have cameras and all types of stuff going on at the party. So it was, uh, it was a little different. Um, but and in, in the end, I'm glad they were there to document it all. You know, it was, it was a great day and, and I'm glad that they got to capture it all on film and, and kind of, um, you know, really, really put my story together. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's great that other people are watching it, but, but just for me, you know, to show my, future family one day, you know, this is what I did, or hopefully I'm not still living in the past, but maybe, um, you know, I can show them, but uh, no. So they, so they filmed up to there and then they came in the facility after um, one day over the summer and, and did, got a little bit more footage, but it was a really cool process and, and getting to see, uh, really getting to see how a, a film like that is made of all the things you do talk about and all the things they film. And then it gets compressed down into 20 minutes and what they do put in and don't put in. It was kind of cool to see the, behind the scenes look of it. Did you enjoy the whole process? Was it, was it fun? Some people like the cameras following them around and other people get kind of annoyed by it, but you seem so comfortable talking. Um, <laughs> I mean, you see, he seems so, I mean, that's, I, I feel like you are a very outgoing person, but. The camera loves me. No, did you, li did uh, you <laughs> like the, was it, was it fun? Was it, did it get old after a while? Because you, you were like in a really crazy time in your life preparing for the NFL draft. I mean, I've, I've never really been, been shy around cameras. Um, Normally, if someone puts a camera in my face, I'm I'm gonna do or say something stupid. So it wasn't wasn't too big of a deal, and and it really helped that the, the people who were filming me and conducting the interviews, um, you know, I had known for a really long time, so they were really able to capture, you know, who I am as a person and being able to put funny stuff in there. Um, and it wasn't there wasn't an awkwardness, which sometimes whenever you're you're dealing with people you don't really know who are getting you on camera for the first time, you can't really express your personality or, or show who you really are. So. I mean, it was definitely a little bit nerve-wracking knowing that nerve-wracking knowing that I was on draft day that if I didn't get drafted that you know that was going to be on camera too so I was gonna have to you know kind of control myself and keep it together and and they were going to get all that on film but it, it ended up working out and and like I said uh, the people who did it just did such a good job and um, really I was glad to be able to share that experience with them and, and everyone who's watched it. There were two parts that I really liked there was one where I think you were doing a radio interview with Billy Lucci and you told him to take out, the, and as, as a radio host, we go through this sometimes where players are like, yeah. uh, I, don't, I didn't like how I said that. And you told, the part that you told him to take out, do you remember that you said, take out the part yeah. where you were <laughs> saying to, be to go to he the Houston Texans would be a dream come true because you just didn't want to seem like you had all your eggs Correct, in I didn't want another team to see that interview and be like, oh, so like you didn't want to play for us. <laughs> and obviously, I would have been happy anywhere I went, but you know, growing up in Houston, uh, going to Texans games my entire life and, and being a fan of the organization. Um, I mean, you can't, you can't help but, you know, root, root to go play for your hometown team. But that was the point. I was like, yo, I don't, I don't know when this is being released. I don't know who's going to hear this. Let's go ahead and cut that, uh, cut that from the uh, interview. I love that, was that like they... Three days before draft day. Oh, but I love that they put that in there because when you know the whole story and how it ends, it just makes it, it just seems so authentic, your genuine excitement for coming to Houston. The other part I loved, and I think this should be a spinoff documentary, um, is your mom and all huh. the stories that she tells because she was talking about how you were redshirted for kindergarten uh, because she had to uh, stay back. I mean, she even... had so many great stories. I, I think the camera really does love your mom. Yeah. I had multiple role. people. I had so many people hit me and like, oh, when your mom was talking, like I started crying. I was just like, oh, she was playing y'all. No, <laughs> I love my mom. She's a, she's a sweet woman. She, she cares about me and, and my little brother more than anyone else in this world where her we're her babies, as she calls us. So uh, 
she's got tons of things to say. Um, some good, some bad. Um, maybe, maybe we can get her on. Y'all gonna interview her sometime. Uh, but she's a uh, she's a great lady. Um, I go to everything. I probably share too much with her um, in my life. She has to tell me to stop talking sometimes. But um, yeah, pretty much everything she says is is, is gold. I, I mean, I thought it was so great because she's telling all these jokes about you. But when it came down to it, she's the one that wanted you to stick to it because. That was one question I had for you. I actually watched the whole documentary um, after it won because I'd seen, I'd seen clips of it. But, mm -hmm. you know, to think that you're the 12th man, you know, where is this going to end? I, I mean, I remember watching you in the Gator Bowl when you scored the touchdown and you were so happy. And at that point, did you think this could be the last time I ever play football? I mean, was that going through your head? Or it seems like after watching it, you thought that there was very much a real possibility that you could work towards getting yourself a job in the NFL. For sure. Um, I definitely treated that game like it was going to be my last game. But, um, you know, at to, up to that point, you know, the NCAA allows you to talk with agents, um, you know, leading up to the season and kind of figuring out what's going to go on. Um, after, really, I had no thoughts um, whatsoever about playing in the NFL until really after like my fourth year, my red shirt junior season, I guess. Um, after that, some coaches had approached me and like, hey, like you might have a shot. Um, and then going to my senior year, that was kind of the, the approach I took, that this was the career path I was going to try and pursue. But at, uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's still the NFL. It's the most competitive business in the world. So I just tried to do what I could. And I, after I scored the touchdown, they, they told me to go back in and, and do the last kickoff. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I think my last play of college football and possibly ever should be a touchdown. Um, I knew I was going to train and, and get ready for the draft. Um, I didn't know if I was going to get drafted or if I was going to play. I figured I'd probably get an invite to training camp, but even, even that's uh, still, still a tough road to, to go down. So I had a little bit of, of knowledge about what was going on, but for the most part, it was just like ride it out and, and, and play it like it's my last play. So that's what if that was my last play of football, uh, I would have been able to live with that. Well, I, I know when you were drafted, Bill O'Brien, I mean, that was one of the things that he really liked about you was your story, your perseverance. It seems very much like that's what they like to see as part of this Houston Texans locker room guys that have sort of overcome adversity or just been the underdog and fought through it and, and really have a good work ethic. Have you ever shared this story with, I mean, do, do the guys in the locker room know the story? I know a lot of guys are not from Texas. Um, <laughs> Do they all know? I mean, that I know JJ knew because he he tweeted you afterwards and said, mm -hmm. uh, "From one fellow walk on to another." But is, is that something that uh, you've gotten to share with your your teammates? Probably too often. Um, <laughs> oh, I like good. To talk a, I like to talk a lot, so um, they uh, they've they've more or less heard about it three, four, eight times. Um, but um, I think some guys know, some guys don't. It it, it is what it is. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, everyone has an amazing story to, to get where they're at. Um, as much as you want to be unique, want to be special, everyone in the NFL is unique and special in their own way. So, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was a, it was a great honor and um, it, it, I, it made college better than I could have ever imagined it really. It was, it was awesome. There you go. A little Colin Gillespie for you. Aggies, I know you got to love that. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to go around the league next. A lot going on. We'll take you right up to Carolina and Atlanta. I'll give you my prediction for that one next right here on Texans All Access. Texans TV takes over Saturday nights. Catch Extra Points, followed by Texans 360, Saturday night at 1030 or after the late local news. Owner of CT Integrations, and this is our story. This is, was great, and we were in a growth mode. When the pandemic hit, we had a lot of uncertainty, but with AMG's support, we were able to get through it. Being able to help somebody come out of a crisis is truly gratifying. 15 jobs saved with their families, and that impacts a whole lot of people. AMG Bank, a division of Zions Bank Corporation, NA, member FDIC, official business bank of the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, Toro and NOV, have partnered with the Sam Houston Area Council of Boy Scouts of America to present Toro Takes the Bull Out of Bullying. Toro Takes the Bull Out of Bullying, presented by NOV, is an educational assembly about preventing bullying. This year, the Texans and NOV have created an anti-bullying patch for students in the Scout Reach program. Scouts who complete Toro's anti-bullying quiz on HoustonTexans.com will receive the patch. The Texans, NOV, and the Boy Scouts are proud to help stop bullying across Houston. 
Welcome to Texas All Access. We are brought to you by Miller Lite. During this time of social distancing, cheering on the Texans over a beer might look a little different today. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. Miller Lite, championship partner of the Houston Texans. Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash buy beer online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now, here's the show. At Hyundai, the longer you look, the more there is to like. Hyundai vehicles offer a wide range of advanced tech and safety features and are backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit your Hyundai dealer today and take some time to look around. There really is a lot to like. Now, get 0% APR and make no payments for 90 days on the Sonata or get $2,500 cash back plus $750 disaster relief cash for well-qualified buyers only. Offers end 11-220. Call 469-613-0227 for more offer details. The Houston Texans scratch ticket from the Texas Lottery is your ticket for a chance to win up to $100,000. And it's your opportunity to enter promotional drawings for a chance to win an away game trip on a private plane, VIP season tickets, luxury suite tickets to a home game, and more. So get your Houston Texans scratch ticket today. Houston NFL Holdings LP, all rights reserved. For detailed game odds and information, visit txlottery.org or call 800-375-6886. Must be 18 or older to purchase a ticket or enter a promotional second chance drawing. Play responsibly. Bold statement. Saving money with Geico is almost better than watching football. Think about it. When you're watching the game, yelling at the quarterback to throw the ball, throw it, Williams is wide open, why are you doing this to me? Use that rocket arm, come on! They don't listen to you. But if you went into a Geico office and yelled, someone please help me save some money on car insurance, everyone would hop to it. Except the intern because it's his first day and he doesn't even have a computer yet. See? Better. Switch and save with Geico. It's almost better than sports. Lots more to break down. He's in! Touchdown, Houston! Next on Texans Radio. 25 years. Huh, that's a quarter century. Or 300 months. Or 9,125 days. Or 175 years. To your dog. (laughs) Now, for something to be around that long, that's impressive. And that's what Chevron with Tecron is. Impressive. Because it delivers unbeatable cleaning power and unbeatable gas mileage. Plus, as always, Tecron is in every grade, every gallon. Chevron with Tecron, celebrating 25 years of clean. Care for your car. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Titosvodka.com. Crafted to be savored responsibly. The trade deadline is fast approaching. So will this be a normal bye week? The bye week is coming at a good time. Or turn into a bye week? Bye-bye. Will the Texans move any players? The deadline is Tuesday at 3 o'clock. If Texans' decisions are made, you'll get the news here first. Insider Access. Exclusive content. Sports Radio 610. The Texans play here. Texans fans, the 2020 NFL season is finally here, and the race to Super Bowl 55 in Tampa is officially underway. Be there when it all ends with an official Super Bowl 55 ticket package from NFL On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. Don't wait to secure verified game tickets, all-inclusive pregame hospitality complete with appearances from some of the biggest names in football and so much more. Visit NFLOnLocation.com today and secure the football experience of a lifetime. NFL fans, go to NFLShop.com and get your favorite player's jersey, name, and number t-shirt or collectible. Are you ready for the next game? Shop now for the most up-to-date assortment for all 32 teams, including face coverings. 
NFL Shop has game day covered with jerseys, apparel, and at-home essentials for cheering on your team. You'll choose from the largest assortment for all 32 teams as NFL Shop is the destination for officially licensed NFL gear. Head to NFLShop.com today for your special offer. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points, Saturday nights at 10.30 or after the late local news on ABC 13. Oh, yeah, check it out. I'll be on with Drew Dory. And then you got Texas 360 as well, led by DPC. That's going to be fun stuff. And appreciate DP for stopping by with Cullen Gillespie, a gilly as he is known. Uh, great stuff there. So uh, that was fun stuff. Tonight we will take you right up to Carolina v. Atlanta Games in Charlotte. The Panthers are breaking out their black unis, and they had this unbelievable Stranger Things type video to go with the uni unveil. That was just, just incredible. Uh, and we talked about Matt Rule. Matt Rule is coaching the Carolina Panthers. This is amazing to think about. Panthers are 3-4. and four. Uh, That game last week, the Saints could have won that game 27-24. They lost it. They were right in it. But either way, Matt Rule has gone to Carolina. He didn't see his players physically until the start of training camp, and that team is 3-4. and four. That's incredible. That's incredible to me. And I think they're going to win tonight. I think they'll beat the Atlanta Falcons. They'll go to 4-4. Four and four. And trouble in Atlanta, well, for now. Then they end up getting a new coach and a new GM for Atlanta, just like Houston will. Got to thank the general for stopping by, DP Sidhu and Cullen Gillespie. I thank my man B behind the board up there. Thank you all. See you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Today tastes like game day at home. Like assigned couch seating. <laughs> tastes like coffee table dining. And an ice-cold Coke to cool down the heat. It tastes like the game you've waited for all week with friends you've known your whole life. <laughs> Today, tastes like watching football is supposed to. And it never tasted this good. Coca-Cola. Together tastes better. Hey, Texans fans, Drew Doherty here. Are you looking for a new home? First Community Credit Union has everything from purchase loans to construction loans, VA loans, and more. With our competitive rates, low to no closing costs, and rate match guarantee, FCCU can help you navigate home ownership. Discover your options at FCCU and get pre-approved today at FCCU.org forward slash home loans. First Community Credit Union is the official credit union of the Houston Texans. First Community Credit Union is an equal housing opportunity lender. Find a massive selection of new and certified pre-owned Hyundais at Ron Carter Hyundai, a better way to buy. Test drive any vehicle at Ron Carter Hyundai and get $250 in gift cards. Buy any vehicle and get $500 in gift cards. Sell them your car. There'll be any offer by $500 or get $500. Plus, get Hyundai Assurance, America's best warranty, 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Gulf Freeway, just two miles south of the Beltway. RonCarterHyundai.com. See dealer website for gift card and trade-in details. 